Um, so you said today we'll talk about immigration. So why don't you get us started? Because even when I propose of kind of what I, what I understand of the libertarian policy, um, or yeah, my friends think it's like absurd and impossible. So I'd love to hear your thoughts uh, or, or where we get started on this. Uh, yeah, I mean, th this is a tricky one, right? Uh, it's, it's difficult to be hard on liberty on this topic um, because there's no clear libertarian position, right? Our, our position is to minimize initiatory force, minimize uh, state intervention. Uh, but we have these things called nations and countries. And, and so, uh, you know, that they are surrounded by a border. That's what protects them. That's what differentiates uh, our nation from the rest of the world. And, and so um, there's an argument to be made that they, there ought to be some kind of controls at that border about what gets in, like a cell membrane. Um, you know, there, it ought to be selectively permeable, not permeable to everything or something like that. Mm. Now, the, the hardcore libertarian position from my perspective, is actually the anarcho-capitalist position that says, uh, you know, these nations are mental constructs. They don't actually exist in reality. We just behave as if they do exist, yeah. um, right? And, and so that's why, you, you know, it's, it's like churches exist, but maybe God doesn't, right? So yeah. you can't just point to the fact that there's a church or that there's a, a border station, and say, well, see, there's your evidence that the nation exists. No, those yeah. are people that are acting as if the nation exists yeah. and they're standing there and everyone's kind of participating in this mass delusion, right? And yeah. so really what is immigration? It's a person moving from point A to point B across an imaginary line. Mass and, delusions are what help uh, people communicate with each other. Sure, seems. sure. Yes, <laughs> yes. You, you, you know, and, and there's something to be said about that. And, you know, we don't need to get into the particulars. So, yeah. so there, the... But even taking the hardest core libertarian position, which is the anarcho-capitalist position, uh, you know, many anarcho-capitalists say they're open borders. But what, really, what they really mean is they, they don't want the government doing anything, right? Yeah. They, they don't, uh, I don't think they believe that people have a right to travel from point A to point B. Um, because the ANCAP position is simply that you, uh, you have the right to own property and no one should initiate, initiate force. And and so, uh, you know, an ANCAP is, you know, uh, libertarians, I guess you could say, are all about closing private borders. Right. We want we want everyone out of your out of your property, out of your domain, including the government and mm -hmm. maybe especially the government. And so so in one sense, libertarians are very pro private borders and in an in a pure ANCAP world where everything is, is privatized, um, I mean, really, you only have the right to move around on your property. You don't right. have the right to go on other people's property. And since uh, roads are privatized now, of course, road owners would want you on their roads, right? I mean, the reason you would own a road is so that you could get traffic on it and move people from A to B. And yeah. so you would not want to prohibit access. So, you know, you'd be able to move around very freely in that type of world if you were a virtuous person, but your travel would probably be radically restricted if you were an untrustworthy or if, if you had uh, done things that damaged your reputation and, and made people not trust you. Right. So, yeah. you, you know, if you're a, if you're a bar owner or a store owner and someone has shoplifted or, you know, someone's a criminal or a shoplifter, 
you keep them out of your store, right? And so you don't mm-hmm. even let them go there. So those types of people would have their, their travel restricted. Now that's a pure, I guess, I, yeah, yeah, go ahead. I guess it's difficult because when you're talking about immigration, you're often talking about people you wouldn't, even like if Canada had this system in place, you know, immigrants would from other countries wouldn't. So we wouldn't know their background necessarily or, or you know, even in a private sense. But yeah, so my, my position in terms of, of, you know, the... When I talk to friends about it, they're like, well, that's absurd. You can't just have completely open borders and people flowing in wherever they want. But it's also if everything is privately owned, they need to have somewhere to go. Right. Right. They can't just squat in public land uh, and things like that. Right. So if they don't have a place to go to, you know, someone will be restricting their movement at some point. Um, But then it also is also like, where do they get caught? Yes. Yeah. And so, you know, so here's the thing, like I, I am, I, I, I think that there's something to be said about, about both open and closed border positions. Um, and I think there's something to criticize about both of those positions. And it's, it's a tricky subject, right? So um, there, there certainly is something, there, the immigration becomes a problem when you have, when, when you are bound to be connected to people that immigrate, right? And um, that, that are part of your nation and that become part of your nation and through democracy, through taxes and entitlements, mm-hmm. these all inextricably bind us to each other and they make it difficult, right? It's like a, a slave plantation where, um, you know, the quality of your fellow slaves determines how well the master treats you. Mm-hmm. And of course, if you have poor quality slaves, immigrating to your plantation and the conditions get worse because of that, of course, you're going to be pointing out that rightfully that we ought to restrict those slaves from coming here because it, it's making it's life making crappy for us. But the yeah. real problem here isn't, isn't that, that immigration. The real problem is the plantation. And most yeah. conservatives miss that point, right? They, they miss all the things that of why immigration represents a threat. And they, and they have no answer for, um, yeah, and you know, right so, now, so, so. right now, an immigrant coming costs me a lot of money because, right. like, they're not necessarily getting a job immediately. They're not necessarily contributing right away. Um, and if if they're here, then we have to provide these them all of these services and all of these government programs that I have to help pay for. the 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 problem isn't them coming. The problem is me paying for them coming. Right. Because right. the government and, forces me to. And notice that closing the borders um, doesn't solve the problem. That like so. So the argument is that this is a cultural problem, right? People are bringing their status culture, their socialist culture, or their, um, you know, their their theocratic culture into Canada, and that's changing the nature of our uh, government and our our system. And it is right. But but let's say we close the border. Um, we still have people migrating to this country through the birth canal of Canadian women's right. right? And, yeah. and most of these people that are migrating here, uh, are, are going to be left wing kind of socialist because they're going to go to yeah. public education. So what's the conservative answer to that? Is it more abortions to yeah. prevent these people from coming in? Of course not. Right. So, yeah. so, so even if we close the border, we haven't solved this problem which is ultimately a cultural problem and Mm -hmm. libertarians have been preaching this for years most people conservatives think uh libertarians are naive about culture 
no, we're not. I mean, this we we've been fighting this culture war uh, for for years. We we know that it's the only thing that matters because the, the yeah. belief system of the people within the nation determine how the government shows up, and so government follows culture. And we understand this, and we've been saying this for years, and we've been fighting this thing, and and so um, so we we get the culture is a problem. So so yes, immigrants coming in that's an issue but but at the root of the problem here is that we have a system that is um fragile right that it is determined by culture so so what we want is a system that can withstand uh statist culture for lack of a better word we want a system that is robust right so we want to limit taxes we want to limit entitlements we want to really limit uh democracy like it shouldn't matter what the mob says about my life and about how I should, you know, but what happens to my property. And yet it does right now. It really does. Like it, it totally yeah. affects my life, how I can get employment, how I can start a business, uh, how much I pay in tax. All these things are affected. Uh, my private domain is affected by, by democracy. So democracy needs to be strictly limited. Right. Um, mm. And, and so if we had that, then we could certainly have open borders. You know, when, when, we had open borders uh, and yeah and then it's like people come people can come in and have make their own livelihood here right like that's the ideal anyways right we the more people that are here to you know within canada's pretty big and we don't use most of the space right right right? um like the more people that are here the more we will thrive i i truly believe that it's just a matter of them being here and and making their own livelihood Right. And, and I think about Canada at the time that my great grandparents immigrated here. Right. They, they were fleeing Stalinist Russia. Many people were fleeing to come to Canada, to come to North America from these brutal regimes. And, you know, they came here and they lived in a in a grain bin with their six kids because, you know, they couldn't afford anything else. So someone was nice enough, charitable enough to give them a grain bin to live in. Yeah. And, and, you know, they, they planted crops in the ditches because they couldn't afford land and they they worked and struggled and they created a prosperous life in Canada. And they didn't come here for handouts. There was no Canadian programs that gave them anything when they came here. You know, and at, at that they came time, here for freedom, they came here for freedom. And, and yeah. you know, 30 percent of people that immigrated to North America at that time eventually turned around and went home because they couldn't cut it. Because yeah. in order to think about in, in a society with limited government where you don't have entitlements where you're not bound to other people where where there's no obligation for others to help you what you have to do is provide value to others and that means you have to understand their culture you have to understand their language and then you have to figure out what what how it is that you can serve their needs and and um all those things aren't very easy to do right if you come from uh a culture where, where things are provided for you or, or something like that, or, or you, you don't speak the language or uh, it's a completely foreign way of life. And, and yeah. so a lot of people just turned around and went home. So, and I think that's if, a very important point that they have the ability to do that as well. Like it's something that people don't think of um, that you can also try out a country, right? Like, Hey, I've heard Canada's great. I'm going to go and try and make it there because it's freer oh, actually, I miss my family. I don't have a support system. It didn't work out that well. I'm going to move back. That's acceptable too, right? There's this idea that we are the best in the world for everyone type thing. Right. And, and so they're, they're, they can't come 
they can't leave, right? We need to make them want to stay here, right? Um, and then on top of that, it is definitely like the idea that that we have to make, like as soon as they come here, they have to be living a middle-class Canadian lifestyle. They, they right. have to, right? Like yeah. we can't have people in bad conditions where it's like, well, no, but they're choosing that bad condition over a worse condition somewhere else that they had more money, but that's not the important thing, right? Um, and, and it's it's this, yeah, backward idea. And then, you know, you can factor in so many other things to play that cause immigration to be an issue as well. And it's like even the $14 minimum wage, right? If someone mm -hmm. comes here and they don't speak English yet and they don't have any applicable skills, are you going to want to hire them for 14 bucks an hour? No, but if no. you could hire them for five bucks an hour, and have them do some work, at least they can start contributing, they can start learning English on the job, right? But that the, the hurdle, I'm not gonna pay them when I could pay someone else, right? Um, and there's right. so many other factors at play that force it to be this kind of, yeah, this holistic approach that isn't actually sustainable and thus limits the amount of immigration we can let in. Right, and and you know you hit on another fear that people have, right? Is that all this cheap labor coming in is going to drive down labor prices? They're going to take our jobs and that sort of thing, and that that belies uh, a poor understanding of economics, right? It's not uh, employment that makes a nation rich or uh, an economy wealthy or people better off. It's productivity, and so um, you know it. it it is it belies this slave mentality that we have and it was put there probably by uh public schools which i think would be a, a good topic for another yeah. uh, podcast but was, we are yeah. trained to be employees we're not trained to be entrepreneurs we're not trained to be free thinking self-actuated self-owned people we are trained yeah. to uh serve in a, cubicle, of a corporatocracy yeah. right that, that's what public schools are for. And so people yeah. just can't wrap their mind around this. They, they see themselves as employees and that their only avenue to success is, is through employment. And, um, you know, I, I remember I was a small business owner up in Fort McMurray years ago and I labor prices were so high there because, um, because there, there was no, like unemployment was so low. Right. And mm -hmm. so I struggled to, to get product to my uh, customers. You know, I, I had a video production and audio production business and I had to pay employees $50 an hour <laughs> to, <laughs> to get anyone to work for me because it required a certain skill set. And, yeah. you know, I would have loved to have had access to, to uh, $25 an hour employees, right? That could mm. pump out the work that these other guys were doing. Um, because I lost a lot of contracts because I, I had to keep my prices high to pay for the labor costs. So uh, I could have created many more jobs and put out a lot more product and served a lot more customers had I had access to cheaper labor. Right. And, yeah. and this is a thing that people don't, don't, uh, don't think about. They, they think about, Oh, I'm going to lose my job to, if the government isn't forcing that business to pay me more, or if the government isn't, uh, prohibiting cheap labor from coming in, uh, I'm screwed. Well, no, if you have that mindset, you're screwed. But if you have a, a winning mindset, if you have a, the mindset of a self-owned person, a go-getter, what you do is you say, huh, I, all of a sudden I have access to all this cheap labor. These are people that barely speak the language. These are people that are willing to work for, for next to nothing. And, How do I and now help them 
productive. I'm in a, I'm in a position yeah. now to, to employ these people. I can start a, a small business janitorial company. I can do, you know, there, there's so many things you can do with access to that cheap labor. And so it increases uh, the productivity of a market to have access to this, you know, and the, and the history of Western civilization really is a history of unemployment, right? The un industrial revolution, um, unemployed people who had to work from before dawn till after dusk to put food on their table, right? Now you could do a fraction of the work and still get the same food because of the division of labor, because of industrialization, uh, be because of, of our system of property rights and trade and international trade. Uh, that made people unemployed or less employed. And, and so, you know, the best future we can hope for is that robots take all our jobs so that we have robots, we, we can employ robots to serve our, our every need, right? Imagine having a robot at your home that can, that, that can produce anything you want on a 3D printer. All your material needs are looked after. What do you need a job for? I mean, why, why do you need to go out and be a robot when you can employ these robots, right? Yeah. yeah so th this is the, but this requires a, a mind shift, uh, uh, mindset shift and, and people just, have a difficult time wrapping their their heads around why it is that technology and and being able to produce things for cheaper and having cheaper labor actually can make our life a whole lot better because it increases yeah. our buying power and and makes us more makes more wealth uh, immediately abundant to us. Right? Yeah. Listeners of this podcast get a risk free two week trial with Chad Kirkham at the Warrior Path. Check it out, guys. I was coming off a stint in management. Uh, when I signed up for the warrior path and I was pretty soft. I'm not going to lie to you, David, <laughs> I was uh, out of shape. I was huffing and I had to come back to the floor, kick in doors, hump hose, fight fire, and I needed to get into shape. And Chad Kirkham at the warrior path definitely got me into shape. Uh, you know, I've, I've never felt better to be honest. And he had an app that tracked the progress. I sent videos to him. Uh, it was, it was a really slick application actually i i would send videos he'd correct my form send me little tips and and videos and uh and whenever whenever i needed he was available and i'll tell you i i put on i think about 50 percent on all my personal records in about a two-month period uh working with the warrior path and I think another important point is just like Canada's population would be shrinking if it weren't for immigration. The U.S. is prosperous because they have 10 times the amount of people. The more people we have, the more productive our country will be. Right. Like that is just the that's the way it works. Right. Yes. So this idea of, of, you know, limiting immigration or even like, you know, I'm all for Canada has the like, you know, there's the economic immigrants, there's the different classes of immigrants and stuff like that. You know, with as long as someone is security screened and, and, you know, we know they're not an active terrorist, which is probably very, very, very small percentage of people trying to come here. Um, yeah. I'm happy to have them come here and find out how to make it on their own. Right. Like right. that is the whole point. And, and I absolutely agree that there are opportunities like my grandparents came here after the Holocaust with nothing, scrounged together enough to and eventually opened a corner store to sell to other Jews near them some supplies that people needed to buy. And, right. you know, now I am in a very, very good economic position two generations later. Right. Like, uh, absolutely. And, yeah, and, and, but, but 
I think it's important to recognize the the valid criticisms of immigration right now, right? And so mm. it's not necessarily the case that all these people flooding in are the same type of people that were flooding in when your, your ancestors and mine came here, right? And mm. and the difference is that there weren't all these entitlements, that, that, that there wasn't right. all these handouts that, and, and that so, attracted a very different type of immigrant, someone that came here that was willing to work, figure out culture, figure out mm -hmm. language, and figure out the needs of the people around them and serve those needs, yeah. right? So, so that leaves me, yeah. There so. are people who see the, 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 the opportunity to get things sure. rather than to get to, to produce things. Right. And so now the, the, um, that, that brings me to where the rubber meets the road, right? In terms of policy creation, yeah. um, what what ought to be the immigration policy and mm -hmm. and so right now my thinking is this there's a lot of people that are concerned about immigration and i'm not a big fan of government being involved in immigration um so the best solution i can come up with is sponsorship only immigration so if you're a canadian yeah. citizen you can sponsor whoever you want uh to come here and that sponsorship means that you underwrite any of their financial needs um, and housing needs that you underwrite their behavior in in way of um, if they conduct criminal crim activity yeah. that that you're responsible for legal costs uh, for for that covering those legal legal costs and and then listen if you are a bleeding heart liberal you can put your money where your mouth is you can put your skin in the game right it might not cost you any money but you, you're putting your skin in the game and saying. I've, I vouch for this person. Um, if anything goes wrong with it, I'm going to underwrite them financially uh, and, and liability. I'm going to take on liability for them because I trust them. Well, I think that's a much better vetting process than some government bureaucrat who, who will never lose their job and have, never have any skin in the game if they yeah. get it wrong, right? And so that, that's my solution right now because we have such an intertwined system where these people coming in dramatically affect our, our personal life uh, and, and, and how it happens. So, so that's my solution right now for immigration. Eventually, uh, once we limit government, we can open up the borders again uh, relatively, maybe have security screening or something like that. But for the time being, that to me is my best solution. And, you know, it drives me nuts. Uh, what about corporate sponsorship? Like, hey, I need a hundred employees, uh, and I can I want to sponsor fifty people to come here and and work for me and get paid and I'll insure their housing. Um, that I have a bit of a problem with because again, the reason I'm I'm even putting in this immigration policy is because of how intertwined everyone is and how um, mm. it, it, unfair it is to put that burden on taxpayers and and everyone else. Right now. Uh, th there's an unfair thing going on with corporate corporations, right? It, Canada has a bit of an oligopoly going on right yeah. now. And so certain corporations get government benefits like SNC, Lavalin, um, you know, uh, oil companies like Canada now <laughs> owns an oil company. So TransCanada is going to profit mightily from, you know, Canada being able to push their product out to market. Um, yeah. all, all these companies get these benefits from Canadian taxpayers. And so now if those companies are allowed to bring in uh, this cheap labor force, um, 
you know, there's a risk of cronyism when you start doing it from a corporate perspective. So I think I would prefer rather than having an abstract, an abstraction called a corporation with limited liability and all these things take on uh, ownership of, of people coming in. I would prefer individual Canadians mm. do that. So if a business owner, like a, a corporate CEO or someone in that corporation He's personally wants to take liable for these people, yeah. then yes, go, go ahead. But, um, but you have to take on ownership of that. I don't want the corporation that's protected by the government and from all these, uh, you know, liability wise, yeah, uh, I, I want and, and is often bailed out like GM. Can you imagine? OK, GM brings yeah. in all these workers. They go off the rails and start, <laughs> you know, committing, you know, creating Sharia law pockets and, go, you know, going off the rails and being criminals and all these kind of things. Can you imagine the government then bailing GM out when, you know, they're on the hook for the liability? Right. Yeah. Oh, we can't lose this company. It's too big to fail or something. So, yeah. so that's my only issue with uh, corporate sponsorship. So I, I would okay. prefer to see individuals for the time being. And like I said, eventually we, we won't have to have that because, you know, again, the biggest problem is democracy, taxes and entitlements. It's not people mm. moving pr- from point A to point B. The reason immigration is a problem uh, is, is not that pe- someone moved from point A to point B that 4,000 miles away from us, right across the country. Um, The problem is that I'm attached to that person and how they behave and, and I have to send them money right now. Right. And so that's why it's a problem. Uh, And so, and this is what conservatives, what drives me nuts about conservatives, you know, they they don't care about, um, you know, like Faith Goldie. I remember she, at a Maxime Bernier rally, uh, and this is typical of conservatives right now. She, she, she was very disappointed and she spoke to the crowd, people in the crowd, she said, and, and they all felt the same way that Max didn't speak enough about immigration at that, that thing. She, he barely mentioned it. He was talking about free trade and supply management and all these economic issues. Yeah. Um, and she says, I don't care about the free market. I don't really care about supply management. I don't care about free trade. I am a one issue voter. It's all about immigration, immigration, yeah. immigration, immigration. Right. And, and th- this is the problem. And so this is why I think conservatives are contributing to this cultural problem we have. Um, mm. You know, it, it's kind of like, imagine someone, some big guy comes into your house, into your private domain, uh, takes half the stuff out of your fridge, marches your kids off to school and off to war, uh, bends you over the table and sodomizes you while your wife watches on. And, but, but meanwhile, you point out to the guy moving from point A to point B, 4,000 miles away, you ask the guy that's sodomizing you in front of your family can you do something about that problem over there that guy worries me right it's just insane that that's your biggest problem is that guy moving from point a to point b when you have this freaking gorilla in your house taking half your stuff forcing you to do stuff uh, making you essentially a slave um that's your problem really that, yeah. that guy moving from A to B that can barely speak the language that's going to sell Ganipkinox in the Walmart parking lot or something like that. He's, yeah. he's your biggest threat. So, so before we, uh, I, I want to ask like that, that sounds alarmist, right? Like I, I, I don't know. I understand that it's true. Right. Um, but I think that's what kind of 
I don't know if people are just too scared to realize there's this gorilla in their house, if they're delusional and they they think he's not there, or if they just think that you posing it that way is is like alarmist and and ridiculous and and libertarians are all kooks. Well, I mean, <laughs> listen, try not paying your taxes and see what happens, right? Yeah. Guys with guns eventually come. Do you know? Do they shut down your private domain? Who who is who is taking half your shit right now? Yeah. Who is that? Is that some Mexican or some Syrian? No, it's the government. The government is doing that to you. And, yeah. and yet you're begging them to fix the problem of these Syrians coming to, across the border. All right. So, yeah, we're, we're on a slave plantation and those people coming here make life work, worse on the plantation. There's an argument to be made. I fully sympathize. And, and, and I agree that needs to be let's stop that and start working on getting this plantation fixed but don't make it all about the immigrant the problem isn't the immigrant the problem is our bloody government uh, system and and the the sheep that that are being herded by it, the, the the tax livestock that are being milked by our our uh, farmers by our tax farmers um it's the tax farmers that are the problem we, we need to deal with them and uh so let's make life better right now let's stop this but it can't just be a matter of closing the borders. Then we actually have to do something about the real problem, the root of the problem, which is the, the system that we have, right? It, it's, immigration isn't going to stop it. Like I said, people are immigrating through the birth canal of Canadian women every day. These people are left-wing. They're going to vote for bigger government always. And uh, what are you going to do about that? You have no plan. And, and, and so that's why you got to get on the libertarian bandwagon because all the things you're worried about come from a large state, a large government. They don't come from immigrants.